Hi, boys and girls. It's Mrs. Van Allsburg, and it's our first official reading of the K. I am going to start a few paragraphs back from where we left off on Thursday when we were all together. Why? I asked. That is a large keg. Timothy scanned the barren sea and then looked back at me, his old eyes growing remote. The large keg have a way of losing its very size. Tis best to have only an outrageous small amount, just enough to wet the tongue. You said we would be picked up soon, I reminded him. Ah, yes, he said instantly, but we must be very wise about what we have. I drank the tiny amount of water he poured out and asked for more. He regarded me silently a moment, then said, with his eyes squinting, A very little more, young boys. My lips were parched, and my throat was dry. I wanted a whole cup. Please fill it up, I said. Timothy poured only a few drops into the bottom. That isn't enough, I complained. I felt I could drink three cups of it but he pressed the wooden stopper firmly back into the keg, ignoring me. I said, I must have water, Timothy. I'm very hot. Without answering, he opened the trap in the raft and secured the keg again. It was then that I began to learn what a stubborn old man he could be. I began to dislike Timothy. Young boy, he said, coming back under the shelter. Maybe before the night, a schooner will pass this way. And if that happens, you may drink the whole keg. Maybe the schooner will not pass this way. So we must make our water last. I said defiantly, a schooner will find us. And my father has ships out looking for us. Without even glancing at me, he answered, True, young boys. Then he closed his eyes and would not speak to me anymore. He just sprawled out, a mound of silent black flesh. I couldn't hold the tears back. I'm sure he heard me, but he didn't move a muscle of his face. Neither did he look up when I crawled out from under the shelter to get as far away from him as I could. I stayed on the edge of the raft for a long time, thinking about home and rubbing Stewcat's back. Remember Stewcat's, the cat that's staying with them on the raft. Although I hadn't thought so before, I was now beginning to believe that my mother was right. She didn't like them. She didn't like it when Henrik and I would go down to St. Anna Bay and play near the schooners. But it was always fun. The black people would laugh at us and toss up bananas and papayas. She'd say when she knew where we'd been, they're not the same as you, Philip. They're different and they live differently. And that's the way it must be. Henrik, who'd grown up in Caraco with them, couldn't understand why my mother felt this way. I yelled over at him, You're saving all the water for yourself. I don't think he was asleep, but he didn't answer. When the sky began to turn a deep blue, Timothy roused himself and looked around. He said with just an unfriendly glance at me, if luck be, the flying fish will flop on the raft. We can save a few biscuit by eating the fish. Two, water isn't a fish. I was hungry, but the thought of eating raw fish didn't appeal to me. 
I said nothing. Just before dark, they began skimming across the water, their short wing-like fins taking them on flights of 20 or 30 feet, sometimes more. A large one shot out of the water, skimmed toward us, and then slammed into the raft flooring. Timothy grabbed it, shouting happily. He wrapped its head with his knife handle and tossed it beneath the shelter, and soon another came aboard, not so large. Timothy grabbed it, too. Before total darkness, he had skinned them, deftly cutting meat from their sides. He handed me the two largest pieces. Eat them, he ordered. I shook my head. He looked at me in the fading light and said softly, We will have no other food tonight. You best eat them, young boys. With that, he pressed a piece of the fish against his teeth, sucking at it noisily. Yes, they were different. They ate raw fish. I turned away from him, over on my stomach. I thought about Caraco, warm and safe, about our gabled house in Scholar Lou, and about my father. Suddenly, I blamed my mother because I was on the raft with this stubborn old man, and it was all her fault. She'd wanted to leave the island. I blurted out, I wouldn't even be here with you if it wasn't for my mother. I knew Timothy was staring at me through the darkness when he said, She started this terrible war? Oh, young boy. He was a shadowy shape across the raft. Total darkness blotted out the sea and it became cold and damp. Timothy took the shelter down and we both pulled our shirts and pants back on. They were stiff from salt and felt clammy. The wind picked up, blowing fine, chill spray against the raft. Then the stars came out. We stayed in the middle of the raft, side by side, as it drifted aimlessly over the sea. Stu Cat rubbed his back against the bottoms of my feet and then curled up down there. I was glad because he was warm. I was thinking that it was very strange for me, a boy from Virginia, to be lying beside this giant black man out on the ocean. And I guess maybe Timothy was thinking the same thing. Once our bodies touched, we both drew back, but I drew back faster. In Virginia, I knew they'd always lived in the sections of town and us and ours. A few times, I'd gone down there to look at the shacks where they all lived. They sold spicy crabs in one shack, I remember. I saw them mostly in the summer down by the river fishing or swimming, but I didn't really know any of them. And in Willemstead, I didn't know them very well either. Henrik van Boven did, though, and he was much easier with them. I asked, Timothy, where's your home? St. Thomas, he said. Charlotte O'Malley on St. Thomas. Tis a virgin island. Then you are American, I said. I remembered from school that we had bought the Virgin Islands from Denmark. He laughed. I suppose, young boy, I never gave him much thought. I sail all the islands as well as Venezuela, Colombia, Panama. I just never gave him much thought. I was American. I said, your parents were African, Timothy? He laughed low and soft. Young boys, 
You want me to say I true come from Africa? You say what you want. It was just that Timothy looked very much like the men I'd seen in jungle pictures. Flat nose and heavy lips. He shook his head. I have no recollection of anything except these islands. Tis pure outrageous, but I do not remember anything about a place called Africa. I didn't know if he was telling the truth or not. He looked pure African to me. I said, what about your mother? Now there was deep laughter in his voice. Tis even more outrageous. I do not remember a father or my mother. I was raised by a woman called Hannah Quam. Then are you an orphan? I asked. I guess, young boy, I guess. He was chuckling to himself, rich and deep. I looked over toward him, but again he was just a shadowy shape, large mound. How old are you, Timothy? I asked. That fact is also very mysterious. Little more than 60, because the muscle in my legs be speaking to me, complaining all the time. But to be true, I do not know exact. I was amazed that any man shouldn't know his own age. I was almost certain now that Timothy had indeed come from Africa, but I didn't tell him that. I said, I'm almost 12. I wanted him to know I was almost 12 so that he would stop treating me as though I were half that age. Does a very important age, Timothy agreed. Now, you must get some sleep. Tomorrow might be a very long day, and we have much to do. I laughed. There we were on that raft with nothing to do except watch for schooners or aircraft. What do we exactly have to do? I asked. His eyes groped through the darkness for mine. He came up on his elbows. Stay alive, young boys. That's what we have to do. Soon it became very cold, and I began shivering. Part of it was coldness, but there was also fear. If the raft tipped over, sharks would slash at us, I knew. My head was aching violently again. During the day, the pain had been dull, but now it was shooting along both sides of my head. Once, sometime during the early night, I felt his hand on my forehead. Then he shifted my body, placing it on the other side of him. He murmured, Young boys, this wind is shifting. You'll be warm on this side. I was still shivering, and soon he gathered me against him, and Stewcat came back to a warm ball against my feet. I could now smell Timothy tucked up against him. He didn't smell like my father or my mother. Father always smelled of bay rum, the shaving lotion he used, and mother smelled of some kind of perfume or cologne. Timothy smelled different and strong, like the men who worked on the decks of the tankers when they were loading. After a while, I didn't mind the smell because Timothy's back was very warm to me. The raft plunged on across the light swells throughout the long night. I do not think he slept much during the night, but I'd been told that old people didn't sleep much anyway. I woke up when there was a pale band of light in the east, and Timothy said, 
You fare well, young boys. How is de head? It still hurts, I admitted. Timothy said, A crack in de head takes a few days to go away. He opened the trap on the raft to pull out the water keg in the tin containing the biscuits, chocolate squares, and dry matches. I sat up feeling dizzy. He allowed me a half a cup of water and two hard biscuits, then fed Stewcat with a wedge of leftover flying fish. We ate in silence as the light crept steadily over the smooth, oily sea. The wind had died and already the sun was beginning to scorch. Timothy chewed slowly on half a biscuit. Today, young boy, a schooner will pass. I bet a jump on death. I hope so, I said. I do think we are not very far from San Andres. I looked hard at Timothy. Are those islands? He nodded. I kept looking at him. It seemed there was a film, a haze separating us. I rubbed my eyes and opened them again, but the haze was still there. I glanced over at the red ball of sun now clear of the horizon. It seemed dim. I said, I think there's something wrong with my eyes. Timothy said, I warn you, you looked direct at the sun yesterday. Yes, that was it. I looked at the sun too much. Today, Timothy said, do not even look at the water. The glare is bad too. That's Dixie, everyone. She sees somebody. He went about setting up the triangles for our shelter, and I took off my clothes. After he had draped my pants and shirt, I got under the shelter. The pain in my head was almost unbearable now, and I remember moaning. Timothy tore off a piece of his shirt from the shelter roof, soaked it in fresh water, and placed it over my eyes. There was worry in his voice as he talked. A while later, I took the cloth off my eyes and I looked up. The inside of our shelter was shadowy and dark, but the pain had begun to go away. It doesn't hurt as much anymore, I said. Ah, see, it just takes time, young boys. I put the cool cloth back over my eyes and went to sleep again. When I woke up, it was night. Yet the air felt hot and the breeze that came across the raft was warm. I lay there thinking. What time is it? I asked. About ten? At night? There was puzzlement in his voice. Tis day, young boys. I put my hand in front of my face. Even in the very blackest night, you can see your own hand. But I could not see mine. I screamed and then whimpered to Timothy. I'm blind. I'm blind. What? His voice was a frightened roar. Then I knew he was bending over me. I felt his breath in my face. He said, young boys, you cannot be blind. He pulled me roughly from the shelter. Look at the sun, he ordered. His hands pointed my face. I felt the strong warmth against it, but everything was black. The silence seemed to last forever as he held my face toward the sun. 
Then a long, shuddering sigh came from his great body. He said very gently, Now, young boys, you must lie down and rest. What has happened will go away. Tis all naturally temporary. But his voice sounded hollow now. I got down on the hot boards, blinking my eyes again and again, trying to lift the curtain of blackness. I touched them. They did not feel any different. Then I realized that the pain had gone away. It had gone away, but left me blind. I could hear my voice saying far off, I don't feel any pain, Timothy. The pain has gone away. I guess he was trying to think it all out. In a few minutes, he answered, Once over round Barbados, a man had an outrageous crack in the head when a sailing boom shift. This man was blind too. Three whole day, he saw the night. Then it went away. Do you think that is what will happen to me? I think that be true, young boy, he said. Then he became very quiet. After a moment lying there in darkness, hearing the creak of the raft and feeling its motion, it all hit me. I was blind, and we were lost at sea. I began to crawl, screaming for my mother and my father, but I felt his hard hands on my arms. He held me tight and said, low and soft, Young boy, young boy. He kept repeating it. I'll never forget that first hour of knowing I was blind. I was so frightened that it was hard for me to breathe. It was as if I'd been put inside something that was all dark and I couldn't get out. I remember that at one point my fear turned to anger. Anger at Timothy for not letting me stay in the water with my mother and anger at her because I was on this raft. I began hitting him and I remember him saying, If that will make you feel better, go ahead, young boy. Go ahead. After a while, I felt very tired, and I fell back asleep on the hot boards. That's where I'm going to stop for today, but I will be sure to send another one out on Wednesday. I hope you enjoyed listening.